The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. How can a deceived person know he's deceived? How can we spot someone who is deceived and deceiving? Here's what to look for. When you're looking for people who are deceived, look for people who are seeking feelings, blessings, experiences, healings, angels, whatever, that are only interested in the byproducts of the faith, not in Christ. They're not consumed with the glory and the honor and the wonder and the beauty and the magnificence of Christ. They're not consumed with honoring Him, loving Him, serving Him, obeying Him, submitting to Him, exalting Him, proclaiming Him, worshiping Him, confessing Him. They're only there for the byproducts of that which is attached to Him. Give me blessing. Give me spiritual experience. Give me a spiritual high. Give me good feelings. Give me healing. Give me prosperity. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. Truth Barista, we're right in the middle of a series of discussions on deceptive ideas that culture is often telling us. So remind us, Truth Barista, about where we're getting some of this material, or at least the themes of this material. It was written by an author by the name of what? Larry Tomzak. He published it on May 25th, 2021. At 6.50 p.m., it says here. Wow. And it's 17 biblical responses to rescue people from deception. Okay. And it really is a fascinating article because it lays out 17, and I've added a few, 17 deceptions that people labor under that God has truth that refutes it. So, for example, we've talked about man is basically good. That's one of the things that you hear human beings say. Well, God says, no, they're not, because all have sinned. Why? Because they're not basically good. They're basically selfish. And because they're selfish, they're going to reject God's ways, and they're going to sin. So the fact that we continually, deliberately, and accidentally fail to live up on God's standards proves we are not basically good, at least according to God's standard, okay? So we're kind of going through these things, discussing them. And I got one here. I want to see what you think about this one. Okay. Mm -hmm. You ready? Yes. Believing generally in God, that's enough. For much of my life, Truth Barista, I believe that. I believed I went to church. I went to catechism and Bible class and all of that. And I felt it was enough for me to be right with God. I never realized until much later in life that I needed a connection with Jesus to be enough. I think a lot of people are stuck in that idea. I believe in God, therefore it's enough. Okay, so we'll take it at that. Let's take it at its very face value right there. I believe in God and that's enough. James 2.19 says this, do you believe that there is one God? Well, you do well, but the demons also believe and they tremble. 
Mm. So I, this one always makes me laugh when I hear people say that, believing generally in God, and that's enough. I'm going, well, at least you've come up to the demon standard. Mm. Ah, but even wow. then, it's not the demon standard because they're afraid. Mm. They know God better than you do because they're trembling and you're not. Why are they trembling? Because they know that there is coming a day because they are inherently evil. They are inherently opposed to God. They're inherently rebelling against God. They know they're going to be judged, and there is no way out of it. Well, the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. And in that judgment, there's not going to be a whole lot of gods. You know, there's not going to be a, you know, an Islam god and a Buddhist god and a Hindu god. There's only going to be one god there, and his name is Jesus. And if we think that we can believe just in the concept of God, that that's good enough, he's going to ask us, well, what did you do with my proposition that there's only one way, one truth, one life, and I'm the only way? to the Father. And so, you know, I think people just miss the idea that the exclusivity of what Jesus said there is, you know, the basis for truth of understanding God. You know, when I hear that phrase, I believe in God, Mm -hmm. that really strikes me because in Western thinking, we put a real premium on what we think in our heads. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't really play out in our lives. As long as I believe the right thing, then I must be okay. Well, if you go back to Judaism, out of which Christianity grew, the fact is this. And by the way, in the first century, Christianity was just another stream of Judaism that believed the Messiah came. Didn't they call it a cult or something like that back then? They just referred to it as the way. The way, right. It's a messianic stream of Judaism called the way. Or they call them the Nazarenes, people that follow Jesus of Nazareth, this, this rabbi who died and rose again, as they say. And so anyway, in That type of thinking, it's not what you think that makes the difference. It's what you do that makes the difference because doing is of more value. It proves what you think. So you can believe that there's a God and that's enough. Well, no, you have to act on it. That's the point. And God, as we said last week, tells you to act on it a certain way, which is number one, you got to come back to him the right way. There's a sin issue that keeps you away from him. And number two, the way back to him is through Jesus' sacrifice that pays the debt, clears the debt, and opens the door. Okay, so now people say, I believe in God generally, and that's enough. Well, you're in company. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's not good company because the demons believe, but you're less than that because they actually tremble because they know that there is a God. There is the God, and it scares the snot out of them because they know his majesty, his holiness, his power, his purity, and they know that he's going to judge them for their their sin. That's a great thought. You know, first of all, th- there's two things here that I have to ask. Number one, demonic snot? I mean, really? I mean, that's just <laughs> outrightly, just outlandishly gross, right? I mean, <laughs> it, you, snot is, is gross in itself, but when you have demonic snot, it's got to even be worse. Can we move on now? <laughs> uh, the, the idea of culture saying to us that my idea of God, I mean, this is what culture teaches, my idea of God is just as good as yours. And there's no way that your God is better than mine. We have to accept each other's God, no exclusivity, and that's the way it is. And pride and arrogance in the human heart keeps us stuck at that level. Your response. That's true. And to which point I would say, okay, this is God's truth. 
if you don't believe it, let me know how that works out for you. I mean, there's nothing I can do to convince somebody of the truth of this. Because if I do convince them mentally, that doesn't create salvation. It says a man has to believe in his heart and proclaim with his mouth, and you shall be saved. That's Romans 10. Why is that important? Because out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. A lot of people believe that God, you know, that there's a God. Great. But do you believe that there is the God? If you believe that there is the God in your heart, then you have to say, how do I get to him? What's the manner to be restored to him? Let me put it in these terms. There's a large gap between believing the way that there is a God and there's a way back to him and trusting that there's a God and a way back to him. You can believe a bridge exists that will get you across the Grand Canyon, but you have to trust the bridge that is there and that it will get you across that divide to your destination. Then you actually have to sit your foot on it and walk across that bridge or be carried across that bridge. You can believe that breath keeps you alive, but without breathing, you will die. Belief is an intellectual agreement, amazing Larry, but it just you just stay where you're at faith is really trust and it's trust that moves you to god does so that make sense it does make sense and and i just came up with this thought that sometimes the great deceiver or the great deception is our own minds because if we're stuck into a belief without trust and faith we're still going to be lost we're never going to get beyond that to really see God as he really is. So let me ask you this. I remember as a young believer, uh, well, before I became a believer, somebody said, well, why can't you just ask God to show himself to you? Is that a good procedure? I mean, when people are stuck with their minds and they're stuck with belief, but how do we get them to faith? Do we pray that way? God, show me who you are. Help me to understand who you are. I mean, how do you counsel people that are in that kind of a position. What does it mean to you show me? I mean, are you talking like a physical manifestation? Well, I think that somehow when somebody said that to me, so my prayer was, God, if you're real and, and you are who they say you are, Jesus, then somehow allow me to see, hear, or feel, or experience who you are. And shortly thereafter, there were just some signs and some kinds of circumstances that led me to realize that Jesus is real. He answered some prayers. He really became known to me in more than just a thought, you know, because I knew who Jesus was growing up as far as the catechism and the teaching, but I never knew him personally. And that personal touch of knowing him and sensing him helped me understand and helped me believe. Okay, well, on the downside of that, well, in the Gospels, you had the Pharisees, the religious leaders, spiritual leaders of the day, who saw Jesus do the miracles, and they believed in the miracles. They really did happen. I mean, when the guy had his eyes opened in John, I mean, nobody could refute the fact that there was miracles that were done. Nobody could refute the fact that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The point is, did it create a trust in God or a trust in what Jesus said that he was who he said he was. What we find out in Ephesians is that faith is something that's given to you. Our ability to trust God is actually given to us by God. And if this, like you said, this is a really tough question. When we ask God to reveal himself to us, he can reveal himself to us in any number of ways, say miracles or coincidences or near misses in car accidents and those kinds of things. Yeah, that's a possibility, but does that lead one to trust God? 
You can believe that God exists, but are you willing to entrust your life to him? That's when it moves from the head to the heart and out into action. That's where it really takes place. Now, so when somebody says, Father, will you reveal yourself to me? We have to really be praying, Father, help me to trust you. Reveal your reality to me in a way that it's more than just mentally knowing you're there. I have to trust that you're there and then I can walk with you. Growing up as a kid, I heard all about God. I mean, I believed there was a God. In fact, I believed there was one God and I believe it was Jesus. And pretty soon I learned about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, I believe there was a God. But it wasn't until I hit high school and I was reading the Bible and all of a sudden there was something on the day when I said, I went home after a Bible study and I said, God, if you're real, you know, Jesus, let's just settle this right here now. You got to help me. And something clicked inside. And it was like I knew that I knew that I knew that there really was the reality of God. The evidence that followed proved that. And this is what was really key for me. Because before that point, I could read the Bible and it was just like, eh, it's a book. Mm -hmm. It has some interesting stuff in it. Right. From that moment on, I would open up my Bible and as I was reading it, it was as if it was speaking to me. Mm. And the depth of stuff that started speaking to me, the ideas that began to burst into my head, I'm going, there's a change that happened after that. That's what confirmed God revealing himself to me. Oh, that is so good. I, I mean, I'm glad you clarified my question because that's kind of what I was asking, that somehow we have to open ourselves up to God and just ask him in, in prayer. As we move forward here, when we come back from a, a short coffee break, because we got to get coffee, we're, let's talk about Jesus, I'll just remain neutral, because I think that follows in line here, right? We can just remain neutral on Jesus, and I don't think we can do that. So I'll grab some cups and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jay Christensen with High Beam Ministry. I want to thank you for listening to the Truth Barista podcast today, and I want to personally invite you to visit highbeamministry.com, highbeamministry.com, all one word, highbeamministry.com. You will find all sorts of resources for your individual study, for your small group study, for your church, for your, you know, if you need a message for a congregational meeting sometime. We've got all sorts of resources. We've got the articles that you can read that are fresh on a weekly basis. We have the Truth Barista podcast that comes up on a weekly basis. I have a Bible study I'm developing called Cruising Through the Bible, which will give you a synopsis of a Bible chapter and help walk you through it to help teach you on a very basic level what it's about. Soon we will be developing video classes that you can access online of entire series of Bible topics and Bible books. Just visit the website, highbeamministry.com. If you're interested in attending an online class with us, just simply email us at highbeamministry at gmail.com. Once again, highbeamministry at gmail.com. All one word, highbeamministry at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. I am Maurice. I am the host here at the Erzatz Coffee Shop. I love listening to the Truth Barista. What I love more than that is a good cup of coffee. And even beyond that, I love High Beam Ministry. If you go there, you will be blessed as I am with wonderful resources. You will find articles. You'll find the Truth Barista podcast. You'll find Bible studies like cruising through the Bible. You will be blessed and highly favored. Go to highbeamministry.com. This is The Truth Barista, your link to how God defines our day. 
Thank you, sir. I appreciate that cup of Joe right there and the little kolache on the side. Ooh, these are fresh ones. You just made these this morning, didn't you? I did, and I'm using a whole different recipe this week. I'm just trying them out, so we'll see how good they are. Most excellent. Man, my mouth is watering. I don't know. You're just going to have to, I think, take the rest of the Bible study while I chow down on this. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't have the uh, spiritual horsepower for that, Truth Barista. You're, You're the horsepower here. Okay, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that very much. Okay, here we go. You brought up this one, and I hear this one too, and it kind of parallels with another one. We can take both of these at the same time. Jesus, oh, I just stay neutral. These are like the people, it's like, I don't want to talk religion. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I just stay neutral on on the whole topic of Jesus. Ah, He's neither here nor there. And the second one that kind of goes along with that is people that say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. Okay, on par with, say, Buddha or any philosopher that tickles your fancy out there. Jesus had some good things to say, okay? Yes, he had some good things to say. In fact, here's one of the good things he said in Matthew 12, 30. You're either for me or against me. So you throw that one out there. It's like, oh, really? You want to be neutral and you still hold that Jesus is a good teacher? Well, what are you going to do with that? If he's such a good teacher, how are you going to handle the fact that Jesus said, you're either on my side or you're not? You're either for me or against me, which means there is no neutral ground. There is no neutral zone between the Federation and the Klingons, okay? You're either there or not. It's kind of like you're either pregnant or you're not, right? Well, I, and I think culture tries to blend everything together, but that is basically a tactic of the enemy, right? Let's make everything one size fits all. So in other words, God is God, and it doesn't matter. He's called Jesus, Buddha, or Confucius, or Allah, whatever. It's all the same thing. So I can remain neutral on Jesus because, you know, God is God. See, when I hear both of those things, Jesus is just a good teacher, and I stay neutral on Jesus, all I hear in my mind is, that's avoidance. That's all it is. Because if Jesus is who he says he is, I am now forced to make a decision. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. He clearly told them that before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, he said to the Pharisees, he revealed himself as the you know, eternal God in a human form, and that forced them to make a choice. Either he is who he says he is, or he's a nut basket claiming to be God. And there's your choice. And at a funeral, if you say, well, I'm going to remain neutral on Jesus, and I'll decide later on making any kind of commitment or serious consideration of who he is, oftentimes it's too late. Sometimes when we're at a funeral and we hear how good the person was or whatever, I always wonder, well, did he know Jesus? Because Mm -hmm. if he didn't know Jesus, that's a very sad day. Right. Well, here's my take on not only is this avoidance, it's actually a rejection. It's a passive rejection of Jesus if you say, I stay neutral. Number two, if you just say he's a good teacher, it's also a rejection because you're not taking his teachings seriously. You're just kind of dismissing it. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, it's more than good because if you really read what he teaches and you really understand what he teaches, you can't remain neutral and it is no good to think about it and decide later. All of these things are avoidances. There are many things in life that are not neutral. Gravity is not neutral. Yeah, go jump off a building and tell me it's neutral. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm neutral on this gravity thing. Okay, well, in real life experience, you step off a building, you die. Okay, I'm neutral on this thing called death. Well, when it happens, 
you're not neutral. You realize there is no neutrality there. Okay. Same thing as with Jesus. Jesus puts it out there. I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. He is the life of the Father. If you choose to remain neutral, you're actually deceiving yourself. You're avoiding the issue. It is rejecting God, and you will ultimately find out exactly how wrong you were. But by that time, when you said, I will decide later, it will be too late. You need to decide now. You can't stay neutral on Jesus. And Jesus is more than just a good teacher. Jesus laid out his father's morality, his standard. And so those who say he's just a good teacher are saying, I like his teaching. I'm just not going to follow it. Wow. Because his teaching is clear. You're either for God or you're against him and Jesus. That's it. I love that thought that death is not neutral. I mean, that is so true. So Truth Barista, the $64,000 question, as they used to say, if we know that death is imminent to every human being, why are we so stubborn to remain neutral on the very person, Jesus Christ, who said, I give you life. I so died so that you would have eternal life. Why are we so stubborn to accept that promise? Now, I'm, I'm going to play a little little game here. Did you mean inevitable or imminent? Because you said imminent, sir. Now, if death is imminent, yeah, I think I'm going to take life or death matters pretty seriously at that point. Yeah, I would say that, sure. Well, it, the problem is, for most people, yeah, well, for all of us, death is inevitable. It's coming. It's coming. But because we lack that awareness that it's imminent, we don't take it seriously. Why? Because if we did take it seriously, we would have to change. But the issue is, if I know, like gravity, if I walk off this building, I'm going to go splat on the sidewalk below. Isn't that the same thing? Why is death any different? You're going to die. You're no longer going to live. Isn't that a splat on the sidewalk? Exactly. But people, they can believe in gravity without testing it because somebody else has. But the problem for us is nobody has come back from spiritual death to tell us. Well, actually, I'll get into something a little bit here. But who has come back from death to tell us that I splatted because I didn't take accept Jesus in this life? Now, here's the caveat. It is really fascinating to listen to believers who have died and come back, had these near-death experiences. Now, it says man is appointed once to die, and after that, the judgment. That's what it says, I believe, in Hebrews. Okay, So it's really fascinating to me that God will allow people to go through near-death experiences and allow them to come back at saying to them, it's not your time yet. But many of those who have come back, who are Christians, all seem to relate the same general experience. And in them, they're saying, well, that's an experience kind of like stepping off a building. It's just that God caught me before I splatted, and he took me back to the roof again. And now you know. So we can listen to that. On the other hand, when Jesus told the parable about the rich man and the poor man, and the rich man says, hey, could you, uh, you know, Could you go and tell my brothers, you know, maybe have Moses come back from the dead and, you know, let my brothers know that there is a hell. Jesus said, even if Moses and Elijah came back from the dead, if people don't want to hear it, they're not going to hear it. Can I just say one thing? Really, it's just a comment. This is a wonderful idea, this splat theology. You should write a book on that, Truth Barista. You could call it the splat theology. And it's just, you know, the reality of stepping off a building and splatting on the sidewalk is the same thing of stepping 
into death without Jesus. Wow, that is powerful. I think that's a great idea. Okay, so let me wrap these things up here as one big package. Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus, oh, I'm neutral on the topic. I'll think about it and decide later. As I said, all three of those things are ways of putting off the inevitable, thinking about the inevitable splat. It is putting off a decision. If I knew I'm going down the highway and I'm going to crash into a brick wall at the end and make a big splat, don't you think I would prepare either for the big splat or I would look for an off-ramp and a better route to get where I'm going? It is insane to drive down the road, see yourself heading toward an inevitable conclusion and say, you know, my GPS is a very good teacher on routes, but it tells me there's a wall up in front of me, but I'm going to ignore what it tells me. And I'm just going to say, yes, I have a good GPS, but I'm not going to trust what it tells me. That's the same thing as saying Jesus is a good teacher and not believing what he tells you. Number two, my GPS says, "Eh, you know, I'm kind of neutral on a GPS. I could use it or I could not. But in reality, I'm moving down the highway toward a brick wall. If I choose not to pay attention or use my GPS, I'm kind of neutral. I'm going to hit that wall, whether I trust in my GPS or not, whether I acknowledge its existence or not, whether I'm neutral on it. You're still going to hit the dang wall at the end and splat, it's too late. And number three, my GPS tells me there's a wall coming. Let me put it this way. There's a wall in the highway, and I'm going to hit it in 20 minutes. Hmm. I think I'll put off my decision for the next 30 minutes, okay? (laughs) Who knows the day of their death other than a convict on death row? Who really knows? And even then, you could get a stay of execution that would put it off, okay? A person who sees their death as imminent will actually do more preparation than a person who knows that their death is inevitable because they don't know when it's coming. So it shouldn't be the imminence that makes us, that causes us to make a decision. It should be the inevitability that causes us to make the decision. Why? Because that which is inevitable may suddenly become imminent or actual. And by that time, according to the good teacher, it's too late. Truth, Barista, you're just like easy peasy on this spiritual stuff. It just makes a whole lot of sense when you explain it. In fact, what I learned, one of the things I learned today, I learned a lot of things in in this discussion, but I learned that that Jesus is the ultimate GPS. I mean, he's telling us how to get someplace, which is his kingdom. Okay, let's play with that. Jesus is a good teacher. No, he is God's positioning system. Jesus, I stay neutral on this. No, Jesus is God's perfect salvation. Okay, I'll decide on it later. No, we need to get preserved soon. That's (laughs) GPS. If you want to play with those things, that's what we'll go with. Now, the question is, we know that death is inevitable, and we know it's going to go in one of two directions. We talked about this early on. All roads do lead to God. You know, people think different gods. No, all of us will inevitably meet God, no matter on what road we're on. The point is, where do we go after that? There's only, therefore, one road to God, but there are two roads after that. You're either with God or you're without him. That's the point. Let's talk about that next week because that now brings the question of what is heaven and what is hell? And if God sends people to hell, isn't that unjust? I mean, why would he create a person just to send them to an eternity apart from him? Isn't that unloving, unmerciful, and unjust? What do you think about that? Oh, I can't wait because I have my opinions on that and I know you're going to set me straight. So I can't wait. 
This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the RSS button, press it, and then enter your email. You'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Thanks for listening.